On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone, this is Tony Harnell from TNT, and you're listening to Cobras and Fire. Remember, rock is not dead. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network, featuring special guest, singer, songwriter, Tony Harnell. I'd like to welcome to the program Tony Harnell, a uh, singer. He's from uh, artists like Morning Wood, Westworld. You have a new album coming out with uh, your band Starbreaker. You're in Skid Row. But I think most of the listeners to this show uh, are familiar with you, or at least first became familiar with you, largely the same way I did, which was with your band TNT. Tony, how are you this evening? I'm great. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing, I don't know, pretty damn good now that I'm talking to you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey, how old would you have been when you got into TNT? About 20? Uh, 21, yeah. How does yeah. An, a New York guy, I don't know maybe if you were in New York then or not, but an American 21-year-old end up with a Norwegian metal band? I always found that fascinating once I found out you were American. Yeah, and looking back, it's probably more fascinating if you consider there was no internet no uh you know, no social no social media and so forth um it was a surprise to me too i was in a band in new york called the jackals not to be mistaken or confused with jackal <laughs> they came they came later did you so guys was, also have chainsaws or not no no okay um and this was the jackals and uh we, <laughs> we were a pretty popular uh cover band in um you know, in New York, we, we played for about a thousand people often uh, in, in some of the clubs. So we were doing a show in Manhattan. It was kind of a big show for us. And okay. uh, and and two guys came backstage uh, with with a tape. Uh, one of them was Mike Varney that some people might know. He uh, mm. he's responsible for discovering quite a few famous guitar players. And uh, and this guy who was managing the band uh, TNT at the time and they they gave me a tape and they gave, gave me, a, I'll just try to tell the abbreviated story. Sure. So the quick, sto- the quick story is that uh, they, uh, they fired their singer in the midst of recording uh, Knights of the New Thunder. And uh, they had Gary Barden. Apparently he was going to be the singer. They had a plane ticket for him. This is a story I was told. And in the 11th hour, they got a demo of, of me uh, now, every band, I was in a lot of bands when I was coming up in the ranks, and I would always try to record demos just to make sure I had, you know, got something 
you know, that I could that I could show for for my time in any band I was in. So I I I had amassed a pretty good collection of songs, different styles and so forth. So uh, it somehow to this day, I'm not really sure how it ended up in Norway and it ended up in Ronnie's hands. <clears throat> and uh, Ronnie said, hold the phone. Do not fly that guy here. Uh, let's find this 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 Amer this American guy. So uh, so they came backstage. They told me the story. They gave me a tape. And they uh, said I had a, a very little time to make a decision, and that I, uh, if uh, once I said yes, I would be on a plane, um, headed over there to record an album. For uh, they were signed to Polygram, which is now Universal um, mm -hmm. in in Norway, and they weren't signed outside of Norway. So I thought to myself, this is great. It'll be if that's all it is. It'll be a great demo. And I'll be able to go back to my band in New York and we'll continue, but I'll have a little more credibility and success maybe to bring to the table to help the, my band. Um, but after we finished the record, everything started to, things changed really quick. <laughs> so uh, we, we then uh, got signed to um, each, each territory, started picking the album up uh, and it just kind of spread like wildfire. It was suddenly in Japan, it was all over Europe and then Soon after, we got the call from the American office that they wanted to to do a brand new deal for uh, for the band worldwide out of New York. So that's when everything everything was real quick. But yeah, that's that's the quick that's the very quick story. There are a lot of details I skipped over, but that's of course. The quick. So you, they, if they flew you to Norway, how quick would you have left New York? Um, I think it was within two weeks. I was over there after that after that night that they came backstage, something like that. Now I'm guessing you didn't speak Norwegian then. Do you? Do you speak any now? I can. I understand it better than I speak it. Okay. Uh, but I, I speak a little bit. Okay. Uh, the the first record that you were on, then Nights of the New, the New Thunder, was that mostly written before you got involved? It was. Uh, it was entirely written. But I went in. They said I could do kind of what I wanted, so I went in and uh, I altered lyrics and and uh, melodies quite a bit on, especially on verses. Um, some of the choruses I didn't like the words, so I changed completely and maybe kept maybe I kept the melody sometimes. Uh it just depended on on each song. Each song I took as as its own thing and I said, Okay, what what can I do to make this fit my voice better? And you know, uh and also the lyrics sometimes weren't really I didn't think were good enough, um, or didn't make sense or whatever the case okay. may be. Um but I mean all all great you know, great songs, a great, great maps for me to, uh, to, to, you know, work with. I, I just kind of went in and touched things. There were a few, a couple of songs I kind of wish, you know, if we had more time to record a few extra things with me and write a few extra things from scratch, I would have loved that. But we didn't have the time. So it, it, it's a good slice of time. Some people like that record better than any of the other ones. Um, but, um, it's a matter of taste, I guess. Yeah, I, I have friends that turned me on to TNT that feel that way. For me, it's definitely the next one, Tell No Tales, that that really grabbed me. It's yeah, very... Tell No Tales is is the first record that Ronnie and I actually sat down and wrote the whole album together. So it's uh, would that be why record... it sounds so much different? I mean, it, it, was there like a concentrated effort to almost Americanize the band? Well, certainly the labels were. You know, at that point, uh, at that point, when we were writing that album, it was 1985, 86 period into those two years. And so by that time, the commercial hard rock thing was really taken off in the States. So, um, you know, the label wanted hits. They wanted more more melody 
and uh, more radio friendly, uh, a more radio friendly sound. But I think we managed to um, keep things heavy and melodic yeah. at the same at the same time. Um, and uh, you know, looking back on it, I think uh, I'm proud of everything that we did. But I have to say, I I think our original vision of keeping it more metal. Um, you know, that that's probably something that uh, I, I wish we didn't bend quite so much. But, hey, it's all history. It's all behind us and no regrets, you know. I know locally here uh, that the song 10,000 Lovers got a, a decent amount of traction uh, with, with, with the, the radio airplay. But uh, for me, it was always the opening track. Uh, Everyone's a Star is such a killer tune. just pull that out and play it with some of your other projects <laughs> oh live no yeah. <laughs> no i don't even like i don't even like doing that song with tnt it's just ridiculous <laughs> too much it, it's just yeah i mean it's it's uh, it's over the top you, you know? do get um, pretty high there uh but you know <clears throat> but i'm a strange person to talk to about my own music you know i've got i've got um I'm that guy that's very proud of my of you know what we accomplished as a team as a band. I'm I'm really super proud of it and and we you know that album in general did really well for us worldwide as did Intuition and 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 Nights um but uh and and some of the other ones as well. And and when I play the songs live, I'm having a great time because I can see how the audience is so into it that it it's fun, you know. But I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, a huge fan of, of you know, of, of stuff <laughs> I did, of stuff I did in the 80s. You know, uh, uh, I think I think for, for you know, like most people, I mean, I, I love 70s music a lot more than 80s music. So I guess it just is like most people, whatever you sort of grew up on is what you tend to yeah, gravitate okay. toward. Since we were actually playing um you know, with with that whole 80s thing. Yeah, there were groups I really liked. Um, but for the most part, I really didn't listen to a lot of other hard rock bands. Um, I was kind of trying to get, you know, inspiration from other things, uh, from other kinds of music. But uh, but no, to answer your question, I don't I, I I have to play TNT songs live when I when I do my own shows. But um, that's not one of them. Uh, well, intuition was a little more of a I don't know. It seemed like a. It was definitely a more toned down version of the band. Was this the peak of how like thick and massive your hair got? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, you I had it was, some incredible hair, man. I think it was just more about the music, you know. I mean, we we got into some pretty. I think we I think we got into some pretty cool. Uh, I thought I thought it was you know considering how young we still were, yeah. um, and where we were going musically. I thought that record uh, was really. A, an interesting step forward for us, you know, compared to, I think that's where we sort of fell into, um, I guess the, the, the writing that, that Ronnie and I were doing had kind of matured a little more. And, uh, 
you know, and we, we did really well uh, with that one over here and also in, in Japan and mm-hmm. Europe as well. So it was a, a charting, a, a Thai charting album in a lot of countries. Well, the, title, um, the title track is really cool and, and Caught Between the Tigers is always a favorite of mine. Yeah, I mean, Forever Shine On, we play all the time. That's a pretty heavy, mm, yep. ex, you know, powerful song. And, uh, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it had a good a good uh, combination of uh, a lot of uh, color and texture and, uh, you know, some, some great ballads, but also some really great mid-tempo and really heavy stuff, too. So it was a good, so overall, I'm really, I really like that. I'm very proud of it. You know, it just kept growing. What could I do? What can I do about it? You know, I kind of, I kind of don't. I'm glad like you to, came back to that. Well, I don't really like to. I don't really. I, I, I hate the term hair metal, and I hate. Oh, how that's the not hair, where I was going with it. I know. I'm so, yeah, I know. I know. No, no, I know. I just, I just, I just, you know. I, I was doing some it's research hair. today. There's a yeah. video of you and Ronnie playing. I think tonight I'm falling, like mm-hmm. an acoustic thing or something quick like that. And it's it's right around the time this record came out, and I'm and I was just like, oh my lord, his hair is just. I mean, you had to be going through tons of conditioner. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what that was that you saw. It might have <laughs> been it might have been the next tour after that. Okay. Um, Realized fantasies because uh, we did do some acoustic stuff in Japan. For sure. That. Yeah, I'm not positive. It seemed around the time. I just you, yeah. You, you also kind of adapted. A, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a bit of a hippie image, clothing-wise, as a band. I think that I think that was going more into the realize. Yeah, it was kind of out of uh, out of intuition into the realized fantasies period. I think that was that was kind of um, going on. I mean, you know, that's how I kind of grew up on '60s, '70s stuff, and I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I was just trying to do something that felt right to me and it was a little different from everybody else. But I don't know. <laughs> was, was there like an official uh, break from TNT? Did you guys call it quits as you were getting into doing like Morning Wood and Westworld? We, 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 you know, Ronnie claims I quit in '92, but I don't. I don't remember it that way. I remember. I remember it clearly as he he wanted to start Vagabond and I 
we were just both frustrated. I think we were more frustrated with how hard we had worked yeah. from eight from eighty four through ninety two, um, and we started to see a lot of success in everywhere in America, in Europe. It was amazing in Japan, um, and then it just kind of um, we felt like the label and a lot of things that were kind of you know going on just sort of pulled us pulled us away from the trajectory and. I think it, it was frustrating for us. So I think we just needed, we were burnt out and we just needed af after the realized fantasies record, it was a really hard album to do. So I think we were just burnt out. We needed a break. <laughs> and talk about that a little bit because it did seem there was a, a lack of a push after the tell no tales record in America here. No, no intuition got a really good push. I mean, it did in all fairness, we I'm did. going off of memory, but no, we did two videos just like we did for Tell No Tales. Um, we got a lot of airplay. We did a sold-out tour in the U.S. The problem was more that the band, the Norwegian guys in the band, didn't want to stay and keep touring like we needed to tour because once we finished the American headline tour, we easily could have jumped on uh, other tours and opened you know, for bigger bands, which is what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, so... No, I think the label was very behind us, um, and I think that uh, the success was there. I think Intuition sold pretty much the same as Tell No Tales, but that's that's not what you want. You want it to be more, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the only re the only thing that they they should have done that they didn't do is put a ballad out, and I think uh, that's a sad thing because TNT is kind of for the you know the fans know the band for for a lot for putting out you know a lot of ballads and uh, being that ballads were breaking bands in the 80s um it's weird that TNT didn't have one video for any of our ballads so um that is so, a, yeah. a great point but i think i think the the uh the the support from the label was was more um missing from the uh from the realized fantasies record you know that's where that's that was around the time that you know Nirvana hit and all those bands hit and <clears throat> the record came out around the same time and I remember seeing the vi uh, Nirvana video on MTV and I, I instantly knew I, I think I think the first time I saw it I just uh, I just was like yeah this is uh, this is going to change things for everybody you know mm -hmm. I, I think that you hear that story quite a bit uh... yeah but my take on it is different a lot of my peers and a lot of the fans are like oh I hate that shit. Grunge killed, you know, our music. I don't see it that way at all. I think I think the labels started signing way too many bands that looked and sounded like other bands. And there was never really a rock era that was like that before. Because if you think about the 70s, you had a lot of different styles of big hard rock bands. You had on one side, you had you had Zeppelin, you had Deep Purple. They were very different from each other. You had Aerosmith. They were different. You had Kiss. You had Judas Priest. You had um, had all these really very Black mm -hmm. Sabbath. You had all these different bands that were very, very not like each other at all, but they were all hard rock. And they looked a little different. They had their own image. Um, and then all of a sudden in the 80s, everybody wanted the same clothes, the same hair, the same looking, the same guys. My, you know the same producers the same songwriters um and that's going to kill a genre faster than a new mm -hmm. you know if anything uh when nirvana and soundgarden these bands came out it all it did is it it shined a really harsh light on how on um you know how how boring and and repetitive <laughs> uh and, and repetitive everything got because there there was 
it would have made more sense to take the bands that were like already established um big and medium you know and and developed them more rather than to get all these other bands that sounded like other bands you know like um, who who are you talking about <laughs> oh i'm not gonna say that no no i'm not gonna say no uh i i i totally agree we actually did a segment you know um i'm not going to name the bands i'm not going to put you on the spot and try to try to to try to get you to agree but we actually said nirvana didn't kill uh uh the the 80s metal scene whatever you want to call it uh then we listed off a bunch of bands that we think did from that scene uh kind of the point you're making to your point too you saw that same pattern uh, happen with grunge. You, the big ones were all kind of very different sounding bands. The the Nirvana, uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, they didn't sound like each other at all, kind of like what you're talking about with the 70s and the early part of the, the 80s metal stuff. But suddenly yeah. record labels were assigning <clears throat> bands that just kind of copied that sound. Yeah. And looked, and you know, like I said, everybody, it was the same look, the same songwriters, the same producers, yeah. and it just started to be... I mean, you know, nobody was offering anything. You know, there were a few, don't get me wrong, there were a few that got in there that were that were interesting and different, but for the most part they were all just sort of uh, rehashes slightly of other bands, you know. So, um what was the I first just, thing you did away from TNT then? Uh, that was probably the Morningwood record, yeah. The ground I'll be running Over mountains Through the valleys of my mind I could leave it all behind With you Sunrise for me, and I don't have to feel the darkness of the night because you cover me with light and you're the business-wise it was a stupid move but uh <laughs> but but for me it was it was i really really wanted to um to establish something just you know artistically i needed to make a totally different statement you know i i for myself i just needed to do something else because the way i always viewed it was i was a singer and songwriter first and i just happened to be successful i don't get me wrong i loved hard rock and metal and that band was perfect for me when I was 21 years old and I heard heard that it was the perfect combination of, of things. It was exactly what I was looking for. Um, but it but I mean, I grew up on a lot of different music. And so when I did when I got to the point of, of uh, you know, going out and doing acoustic shows, it made sense for me to want to just be seen as a singer and not just a screamer. And um so that's kind of why I did that record is I wanted to just kind of 
you know, show that um, there was that there was a lot more to what I, you know, what I was about than than just high screaming. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I could do it. That was a thing mm-hmm. I did for sure, but it wasn't. It it surely wasn't the, uh, the at all what made up the all of what I was, you know, as an artist. So, did you ever feel like going back and, and doing more of that? Or I have done more of it. I, I did a I did the Mercury Train album in 2010. It's it's acoustic versions of a lot of TNT, Westworld, Starbreaker stuff, um, and uh, and then I did a Wildflowers uh, album. EP in 2013, which is mostly uh, it might be all original songs. Actually, it's it is all original songs. So maybe one cover. Actually, I have to look at the the track list. But <laughs> but anyway, I think. Mean, but yeah. So so I I've been I've been doing acoustic stuff uh, most of the last uh, gosh I don't know ten years or so at least. I mean, have you ever have do you still stay in contact with some of these guys? Like most notably, I suppose Al Petrelli. Uh... A little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, and uh, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I stay in touch with with everybody I, that wants to stay in touch. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, where does Westworld fall in your timeline? Is that before kind of the the TNT reunion or um, we? It, it kind of overlapped a few records. So uh, we did Firefly. TNT Firefly was ninety seven. The first Westworld was 98, and then we did another TNT album in 99 that came out in 2000, I think. And then I did another Westworld album around the same period that came out maybe 2000, also 99 or 2001. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. But there was a – no, they kind of overlapped, and then we got back together for the first time in 2002. Yeah, so. I, I really like the. I think the the the, the second TNT record you were talking about is the uh, um, transistor one, right? Uh, uh, in that late late nineties, early two yeah. thousands. Yeah, that, yeah. I had kind of lost track of what was going on because uh, a lot of what you were doing wasn't being re- at least TNT wise wasn't you know coming overseas immediately, or at least uh, the stores I was in. But I found that yeah. record. I absolutely adore that album. Um, somebody on my Instagram page asked me if I ever wanted to go back and and fix anything that I've done, and and, and what I said was, no, I'd like to take Firefly and Transistor, and I'd like to remix both albums and pick the the best songs from both of those albums and put them together mm-hmm. into one great album. Because I think combined, there's there's a really great album there between the two. 
probably leaning heavier on Transistor than Firefly. But there are some great songs on the Firefly album as well that I still play live. Which ones? On my acoustic shows, I play a uh, month of Sundays. Sometimes I play uh, Daisy Jane. Um, I play. Uh, let's see. Oh man, I have played. Somebody told you. Um, yeah, there's a few from that record that I that I I really like. I like both those albums quite. What, a bit. what about Transistor? Anything on that that you kind of pull out for? I haven't played anything from that album live that I can think of outside of TNT, but. Uh, but yeah, Ronnie and I were in a really fun, creative period when we made that album. It was a, a blast to write in Spain together. Okay. It was just kind of he and I on a bit of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a really amazing lost weekend, I guess you could say, that went on <laughs> for about went on for about a month or so or uh. six weeks. I don't remember how long we were there, and we were just very, very creative. Um, during the period we were there, we had a, a little studio set up for demoing things. And uh, and then we rolled right from that back to Norway to, and right into the studio. So it was, it was a really fun, creative period. That I, right off the top of that record, you guys knock it out with Just Like God. Uh, I can't remember the yeah. second song, Wide Awake, and then No Such Thing is yeah. one of my yeah. favorite songs you've ever written. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I've had people tell me that that didn't even know TNT before that album that um, that that came to like the band because of that album, like younger fans. Um, there there were things about that record that touched on a lot of the late '90s sound that was coming out of England and uh, and the U.S. It was a weird combination of of American uh, hard rock from the '90s mixed with uh, British kind of thing that was happening at yeah. the time. So it's kind of cool. No, it's uh, uh, whatever. I, that'd be one that maybe you throw in there just for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me. There's a at least a three to my knowledge. I've seen one of them. Uh, cover bands uh, for of ACDC called TNT. You have any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, when I joined the band in in '84, I was one of the one of the things I really tried to convince them right off the bat. I tried to convince them to change the name. That was one of the first things. And I, I, I they, they got sick of it because I would not let it go. I was like really harping on that quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> I really hated the name. I thought it was generic. I thought we'd have trouble with it in the future. Um, and um, I just didn't think it represented the music at all. I thought the music was, was, was you know, lush and and diverse and, mm -hmm. and and interesting and i didn't think that name was did, did our music justice so uh you know it is what it is um i don't know really what your question was exactly but uh but yeah. i'm aware that I'm, a, I'm a well i'm aware for example that if i hashtag tnt um when i'm trying to post yeah. something that what comes up is 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 anything from the network to the moving to the shipping company to uh, yep. to a host of, to a host of things, and it's re it's kind of ridiculous and it's kind of a shame. So, yeah, um, I, but you know what? It is what it is. It's just one of the many things that uh, drives me a little crazy. But what can I do? You actually answered a question I didn't ask. That was great. Uh, okay, I, I agree, man. Yeah, I, I think they should have changed the name. I, 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 I don't think I was drawn into the group because of the the name of the band. Uh, I think a lot was... of people probably missed the music. Um, I think because of uh, probably in many ways because uh, 
because they were probably turned off by the name. I'm fully convinced that if the if the name was different, the band would have probably been. It's one of those things where some people say, "Oh, it's not the name; it's the music." No, I think sometimes it might be the name. <laughs> in our case, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, yeah, it definitely helps. You know what I mean? I think you make a, especially now with, I mean, you the age of the internet. It's almost better if you have something that sticks out. You know what I mean? Because TNT is pretty generic. Thank you. All right. Well, um, <laughs> you ended up quitting the band in 2006 because that was, is that because you, you spent 20 years trying to convince them to change the name? <laughs> I actually, you know, that was the only time I actually legitimately did quit um, was 2006. Um, oh, this sounds interesting. No, it's just that there are a lot of things out there that say I, I, I quit, you know, he's in, he's out, you know, but there's a lot more to it than that. Sometimes it was just a break. Sometimes it was, you know, who knows, but, uh, okay. 2006, no, it was about the, it was just business stuff. It wasn't anything really deeply personal per se. It was mostly just business. Usually it was, uh, disagreeing about a manager or how we should go forward. And now, you know, that was it. Nothing more to say about it really. But. TNT was largely not doing anything in America to, for the most part, right? So were you, well, you, you had was, to do a lot of travel, by, right? That was, yeah, and that was by choice often because we had a lot of really good offers here. But, uh, again, the business, um, uh, people people bother me all the time. When are you going to play over here? When are you going to play? I'm like, man, I want to so bad. Um, but uh, it just, it just uh, didn't happen. There was – and plus, you know – we are it, we this is our job so we if you're if you're doing well someplace you'll you'll tend to want to stay there and keep keep you know pushing at it but at the same time uh we had offers here and the guys um just didn't see the value of coming over and i did i thought let's just go do a couple of shows reestablish the band and then we can you know keep building on it without losing too much you can't even and, get them to uh, do like a monsters of rock cruise or anything like that well like we were booked on it weren't we in 2000 um, <laughs> apparently in, in t- well we were in 2017 we were booked on it and ronnie couldn't get a visa so i had to go do an acoustic show okay um so uh we actually would have been booked on that and that would have probably been good for us to uh to just kind of you know ease back into the u.s market again but Alas, it was not meant to be. Uh, Tony Mills replaced you initially. The guy from Shy. Did you know him at all, or no? Mm-mm. Did they? Did they? Were they kind of like we need another singer named Tony? <laughs> that's funny. That's <laughs> almost like that's almost like that. It's almost like the hair comment together with the intuition. Album. Yeah, that's a. Cl- um, I'm, I'm trying to get a chuckle out of you at some point. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, you know that was that was probably more interesting for Diesel than anybody else because um, in his in his mind, I think he always felt that if he could uh, somehow make me um, unimportant to the band, uh, then he'd be a happy guy. But um, no, Tony, Tony Mills is a great guy. Uh, I actually, when I left in 2006, I gave them a list of, um, of singers that I thought would be potentially able to, to at least hit the notes. Yeah. And he was one of, he was one, he was on the list. So I guess mm-hmm. they went down the list and he was the guy that said yes. No, um, I'm only familiar with a couple songs that they had in the 80s. But yeah, he's definitely a, a guy who's in your kind of range of singing. So I get it. Yeah. And he ended up moving to Norway. As far as I think he still lives there. I'm not sure. I think he, uh, I think he settled down in Norway after that. So, 
But you came um, back in 2013 and again in 2016. Maybe kind of tie in what you were saying earlier that you never really quit, but you're not really in the band now, are you? No, I'm not at the moment. And, and ironically, we have a DVD coming out March in March um, for a show we did in 2017 in Italy. So, uh, uh, you know, there's that, <laughs> but, uh, which is, which is odd that they're, that they're out there playing shows, um, you know, with somebody else and there's this DVD coming out. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very bizarre thing. It turns thing. out, uh, they're going to be on the Monsters of Rock Cruise. <laughs> What's that? It turns out they're going to be on the Monsters of Rock Cruise. Who's that? Oh, just a joke. I'm again. I'm I'm oh. trying to make you chuckle, Tony. I'm just trying to. Uh, oh, sorry. I I'm just not. I'm not getting your humor. I apologize. No, I'm not, I, you're not the you're no, not the first person. There, there's a lot. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. So it's sort of like you're. Anyway, it's it's. Uh, no problem. Uh, it's fine. It's the fine. DVD will that be available to Americans without importing it or? All of all the record, yeah. Everything uh, everything that Frontier that Frontiers puts out is available over here. So oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's oh, all. Right. It's you, all. You guys are label mates now, aren't you? Well, I don't even think they're really together. We weren't label mates. We were signed with me and the band, and then I and then I was out of the band. So oh. it was the same. It was the same album that was signed uh, when I was there, <laughs> yeah. and it just bled. It bled into. Um, it bled into the record that they ended up putting out with with that has some of my songs on it that came out at the beginning of last year or whenever it came out, do some you, point last year. Do you still talk to Ronnie at all? I talk to him all the time. Yeah. Okay. He actually has the flu right now. We were going to speak uh, today. So. All right. I'll give him my best. Um, I, okay. Did you really write music for Sonic the Hedgehog, the video game? No, I did not. No, I don't okay, know. Okay, so Wikipedia is all fucked up. It is, yeah. And I, I don't know where. I don't even know where. Is that on my Wikipedia page? No, no, no. So. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Well, I'm, well, I'm not looking at it right I now. Don't think it's on, I don't think it's on mine. Um, no, I never wrote anything for it. I just was asked to sing a couple songs, and oh, I did. So you did actually do. Okay. I sang, but I didn't write anything, yeah. Maybe I worded <clears> the question poorly. So you actually worked on some music for a video game. How, uh, well, how... writing and singing are, yeah, I, I wouldn't. If I, I wish they'd ask me to write. I would have fun writing some stuff for that. No, I just. Uh, Ted Poley was a part of it, and I was asked to sing on it, so I did. Yeah, uh, you... and I and actually, actually, it was a great thing to do. Um, I got a lot of young fans from from that, so it was it was uh, turned out to be really a, a cool thing. A lot of my younger fans uh, really know me from 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 the Sonic thing. It's funny, and then they then they then they went and they did their research and they got into TNT and all the other stuff I do. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I, th I thought you were great in Skid Row. How come that didn't work out? Well, I'm not going to go into, I mean, you know, the way I look at it with interviews is, uh, if I haven't said anything in any previous interviews you know, or, or, or any, or any statements I've posted, it, you, you won't get more out of me now. But, uh, um, all I can say is the same thing I've, I've said before and the same thing they've said it was, it was, it wasn't a match. And, uh, and and that the uh, the way that I quit was was um, unfortunate. So uh, if I had to change anything, I wouldn't change joining the band. I thought it was fun, and I thought we had some great shows together, especially toward the end of the run that I had mm -hmm. with them. But um, 
my biggest regret is just the way I the way I quit the band, and I don't, really don't want to elaborate on that anymore. No, I, but, I, uh, I know what you're talking about there, and I, I and I do think you you kind of handled it pretty well after the fact, as far as you know all the stuff. And if if people want to Google that and get into it, they'll find it what what you're talking about. Um, yeah. But was it a personality thing, just a bad fit, as far as like uh, uh, people working together? <sighs> Uh, again, it was just, just generally speaking, I think it was, um, I, I think they are great guys. I, I really do. I actually had a lot of fun, uh, during most of the shows. I just think it was, uh, just wasn't, it just wasn't, it didn't work out. Okay. <laughs> Dude, All right. It, it was similar to, 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 you know, failed marriages I've had, I guess, you know? Oh, okay. Or that anyone else has had. You know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I tried twice, Tony. I'm, I'm going to let it go. Uh, <laughs> you recorded a, a a cover of uh, was it I remember you with them? Did you guys do anything else? Like, was there any? We did. We did. We did eighteen and life. didn't uh that was something i was really looking forward to but we didn't we didn't get to that to point i i i think it would have been an interesting uh i was hoping to uh to have some you know to combine my my writing with theirs and and maybe you know do something kind of cool together but it wasn't to be i would have liked it but uh anyway well, thank uh, you thank you Starbreaker has a brand new record coming out, Dysphoria, on the end of the month here at the, the 25th of January. Uh, yeah. Frontiers Records. Yeah. What do you, let's talk about that, why don't we? Sure. Have, uh, you, have you heard it? Did I've only heard two songs. Uh, but no, I checked out the, 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 the what's the, the evil one? Um, oh, Pure, there's Pure, Pure Evil was the first song, yeah, which is... Which isn't like the rest of the record, but it's a but it was a song that got everybody's attention. So that was uh, pretty much what we wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Thanks, thanks. Uh, so, so, so talk about that because the other song I heard was the uh, I'm how sorry. many more how, how many, many more, more goodbyes? Go. Yep, uh, they are very different sounding. So you're saying that mm -hmm. represents the record better, or I think I think they both kind of do, but it's a it's kind of a diverse album. Uh, the way Magnus sort of put it to me was probably the way his wife described it was probably the best description, which was um, kind of a, like about as heavy as you can get and still be quote uh, melodic and commercial, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And, um, but, but I don't like those words co commercial. Melod to me, it's just the songwriting, I think evolved a little bit for this record. Um, and uh, you know, I, I'm really happy with how it came out. I think it's uh I think it's a a really cool album, and um, you know it's 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 got dark colors and and medium and light, and it's uh you know it's uh it's a lot of emotion put into it lyrically, that's for sure. 
And this is actually the third Starbreaker record, correct? I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I was not aware of this project of yours at all. Yeah, um, this is the third one, uh, uh, all, front, all through Frontiers. Okay. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a project I'm really proud of. All records are uh, really, really great. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I love working with Magnus. He's a killer guitar player, great, great writing partner, and, uh, you know, just um, very creative uh, guy and really fun to work with we we really have a good chemistry together when it comes to um to these records so yeah i'm really proud of them i i kind of steer when people want to know like the harder side of what i do i i would steer them toward these albums and 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 the west world even yeah so, no the west world stuff I, I i find amazing i think the west world <laughs> stuff kind of reminds me a little bit of the vibe you had on transistor uh it's some it's, of it, it it's yeah. different i mean i'm yeah. I, i'm just i'm generalizing when i say that Mm. Yeah, I mean, all three Westworld albums are definitely different, as are the Starbreaker records. But I think the Starbreaker albums are a little more. Uh, well, this one I think is different. Oh, well, they're all actually. I have to say, they're all different from each other. Um, <laughs> but but <clears throat> I think the one thing that Magnus and I have is I think the, there's a consistency in what we do, and I think that ties the the three records, you know, ties them into each other. How did you and Magnus end up coming together? It was uh, put together by um, by Frontiers, actually. While I was uh, in TNT, uh, the president of Frontiers had been had been bugging me for a while to uh, to do something with him with his label, and um, I was kind of resisting and resisting. And then mm-hmm. he came up he came up with this uh, with this idea, and uh, and it worked. Actually, 2005 was when the first record came out, and uh, I was really busy writing and recording and touring 2004, 2005. I don't know how I did it, but I managed to to tour both years and put out. Uh, we put out um, My Religion in 2004, which is uh, to me the best TNT album ever made. And then, uh, and then I put out uh, the first Starbreaker came out in 2005. And then another TNT album came out in 2005. Um, and then I also did a, a third project uh, called Brazen Abbott, where I did three songs. So there was it was it was a busy period for me. So Dysphoria. So that's coming out uh, yes. January, January 25th. I'm really proud of it. Um, By Starbreaker actually, the art is the artist. Yes. Starbreaker. Yeah. yeah. Starbreaker uh, Dysphoria. That comes out the 25th. We have... Uh, I'm actually working on two videos at the same time right now, um, but I, I just saw the beginning of uh, of the lyric video that's going to come out in in conjunction with the release for a song called Wild Butterflies. Okay, and it looks it looks amazing. I have to say I'm really loving some of the creativity that goes into these lyric videos. Um, it, it's it's really incredible uh, what what these guys are doing. Uh, these days but anyway i'm really excited about that and I'm, I'm excited for people to hear the whole record and get into the whole thing as a as a piece of work you know um mm-hmm. too, too much too much these days it's about singles and still in the rock world i think it's still about the album as a as a work of as a whole work you know yeah uh, like, as you're sort of moving from song to song and so forth um do you, but, i assume you, you you're heavily involved in sequencing as far as all that stuff yeah, for the most part, yeah. I, I try to I try to do it uh, I try to do it together with with whoever is playing guitar. But yeah, I try to base it on uh, a, few, a few different things. Sometimes sometimes you can't quite get everything you want when you're putting songs back to back. I try not to put 
the same keys next to each other, uh, songs in the same key, but that becomes really hard sometimes with hard rock. It was a little bit easier with TNT because um, uh, Ronnie was a little bit more on top of making sure we didn't have too many songs. As we were writing, uh, we would both want to make sure we would have varying keys all the time but um that's unusual not most people don't do that so that's a little that can get difficult so you want to have that you want to have uh tempos you know be sort of you know move and ebb and flow you got to put the ballads in the right place so mm -hmm. that the album doesn't get too boring too early um yeah so it's it's always a bit of a kind of you want that explosive beginning and you want kind of like that you know, great little, uh, you get into the record. I think this record is sequenced really well. You have that, that right off the bat with pure evil is, is the opening track. And then it kind of, you know, glides into, um, what becomes kind of the, you know, the, the, the feel for most of the record after on song two. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy with how it came out. I think people are really going to like it. And I put a lot of love into, uh, recording the the lyrics and i mean recording the, the vocals and writing the lyrics and and the melodies and uh and working on the music with magnus and he did a fantastic job really uh and the drummer everybody johnny lightfoot on bass uh is american friend of mine um everybody just did a great job on this thing i'm really proud of it when you when did you record it kind of uh in the modern era where you're kind of bouncing things back and forth or did you do kind of a traditional thing where you, you all work together in a studio at one time? We did do we did do it long distance. Um, I have a I have a, a really great high end vocal studio in my in my house, so uh, I did it myself. Okay. Um, I did my vocals. Uh, I did all all that. Uh, so normally, what I would do is just put a track up and um, and write write the the melodies and the lyrics and 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 even sing the final vocals usually within uh the first night and then just kind of fix things up on day two and that would pretty much be it <laughs> and that's how we that's how we did most of the record i could never be what you want me to So, Tony, before I let you go, let me just ask you this. I mean, thank you for joining the podcast. Are, are you a fan of podcasting? Uh, has it been a uh, help for you at all? Oh, for sure, yeah. And actually, uh, I'd love to do one. I've got a, I've got an idea for one uh, that I'm kind of excited to uh, to take a look at. <clears throat> so they could take a look at myself, and I have some friends that have some really successful ones that I that I you know love. I just did an interview uh, with uh, my buddy Mitch Lafon the other day. Okay, and, up uh, in Canada. Eh? Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's great, and um, yeah, so, 
of course. I mean, this is this is what we do now. You know, mm-hmm. this is uh, I, I, I've done some video ones as well. With music kind of shifting away from the physical product and into streaming, uh, how do we get some of the streaming money into the artists a little easier? Good question. <clears throat> you know, I think I think some of the bigger artists are actually uh, experimenting with not even allowing their songs to be on the streaming sites. Um, <clears throat> but that's obviously not something that's uh, a good idea, maybe for uh, I'm not sure yet what what the answer is. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to piss people off. Um, it's kind of weird how the power has has uh, completely shifted out of the artist's hands. Um, you make right. you know you spend time and uh, people don't like your album if you don't spend enough time making it sound amazing and and writing great songs and. And, and spending all that money in the studio and, and mixing it and properly and producing and and uh, and yet at the same time they you know they've gotten used to uh, getting their music for f- almost for free mm-hmm. so um, it's kind of um, I don't really know how to answer your question I mean I think that the the, the vinyl movement is, uh, is is great to see but it certainly is not uh, even a, a small dent in the overall sales compared to sure. uh, digital and and mostly streaming i think streaming is obviously way way ahead of of downloads you know so Mm -hmm. and sadly we missed it uh during the recording but you talked about uh there was initial plans for starbreaker to be on vinyl but for right now it's it's put on hold yeah yeah we'll see what happens i'm I'm hoping for a box set at some time at some point in the future it'd be great it really would uh uh, well, thank you so much, Tony, for your time. Again, this album, Starbreaker, Dysphoria, comes out on the 25th of January on Frontier Records. Uh, we can find you on Facebook at Tony Harnell. Any, plug yourself a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all over Instagram, uh, which has my, become my favorite uh, platform to use these days. Um, mm-hmm. So Instagram, uh, you know, I have a, a, an official Facebook page. You can find me there, Tony Harnell Official. Um, Instagram is Tony Harnell Official. And Twitter is just tony harnell i'm relatively active everywhere so um please follow me and uh interact and um if you have you know people want to ask me something uh, normally <laughs> normally i'll answer if it's not too crazy <laughs> yeah you know the funny thing is i took a i was i i i, I was working as a photographer uh, when, uh and up in hinkley minnesota when you were playing there with skid row and I posted a picture of you, and a friend of mine uh, commented, "How did he sound?" And you actually replied to his comments. That was that was a big thrill oh, for him and me. <laughs> okay, what did I say? I sounded uh, like crap or something. No, no, you said I think I. I he said, well, "How did Tony sound?" And you were like, "I think he sounded great." <laughs> oh, oh, I was okay. Yeah, I think he sounded great. That yeah. that sounds like me. Yeah, yeah no, and you uh, did. Yeah, you did sound great that. Well, day. no, but I mean, I think what I really meant by that was just to step in and say he. You know, and yeah, have it be me. Sure, but, you're uh, being cheeky. Yeah, you, yeah, I was being cheeky, but uh, I don't know if I sounded great that night or not. But uh, I, I do. I, yeah, I, I okay. can. I can testify. So. Oh well, thank you. I uh, think I remember that night. That was uh, wasn't Eric Martin backstage as he well. He was. Yes. Yeah. I uh, now I, rem- I I remember. I don't remember a lot about every show, but I I I do remember Jack Russell. I remember uh, Eric being at a show. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, I think I have a picture of Eric and I on my Instagram page from that night. So, yeah. You know, with that, how do you stay? You, you, I mean, you, you really, you know, have maintained a good youthful look. You're in great shape. Uh, any Thanks. secrets you want to share? Um, 
<laughs> no. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I I try to eat. You know, I try to eat well, even when I have other habits that I've that I've had that aren't so great over the years. I try to keep that one thing going. I try okay. to eat. Uh, I try to eat organic. I try to eat. Uh, you know. Um, I just try to eat well. That's like a big thing for me. Um, exercise in and out. Sometimes I'm I'm good with it. Sometimes I'm not so good with it. Living in New York was easy because you walk so much that, uh, you know, if you do uh, a little bit in the house with your, uh, you know, with push-ups and, and a few things like mm-hmm. that, and then you get, you know, get out and walk several miles a day, you're usually you're pretty good. Okay. Um, I'm finding it, I'm finding it a little, little more challenging here in Nashville because there's, it's it's not a lot. There's not a lot of walking here, so a little uh, more spread out. Yeah, I'm definitely more driving for sure <laughs> down here. <laughs> but thank thanks for the compliment. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, I just think it's uh, part of it's probably just luck and um, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, genetics, whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, thank At you, least Tony. I, I think I think part of it though is that I still have. Uh, I still have hair and I think that, and, and I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not bragging at all. I'm just saying that, that, that probably helps cause I could probably look exactly the same. And if I didn't, I might look older. So, uh, you know, I'm not responsible for that. My, my genetics are. And so, uh, I, it's not something to be proud of, you know, just like, um, just like it's great. I, I root for the Chargers because I was born in San Diego. Nice. And if they win, I'll be happy. But I'm not proud of them because I don't have anything to do with them winning. You know, it has, it's it's uh, it's kind of funny. You it's know? valid. Uh, By the way, they're the one because my team is the Vikings, obviously. So they're the they were yeah. my team. I'm like, they're the one. That's the only thing I'm going to root for them, period. Uh, for whatever oh, yeah, reason, uh, I like them. Oh, awesome. Well, they do have the cool. They do have the coolest uniforms with the lightning. Second bolt, coolest. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> but you know, I mean, being that I've been in Norway so much, the Viking helmet, you know, that works. Oh, so yeah, you're probably sick of it, huh? <laughs> How many guys yeah. named Bjorn do you know? I know a few. I know. <laughs> I know a few. Yeah, I know a few. I know. I know a lot of guys with. Uh, there are some very typical names that are that are uh, yeah. that are not Bjorn as well. Uh, 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 yeah, but uh, I know a few of those. I know a lot of a, a lot of Rolfs. R-O-L-F. Yeah, I know a lot of those. Tony, thank you so much for your time. I, hopefully I came across as uh, respectful and someone who actually gives a crap about your career because uh, I'm a bit starstruck at, at, at a few moments here tonight. Uh, well, thank you very much. And okay. hopefully I'll see you in Nashville this summer, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Sounds great, Jason. Thank you.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.